Welcome back to the Girls Talk Ag Podcast, plowing through the manure online. Um, this week, we're going to discuss something that uh, could... Wait, I was going to say we're going to discuss something that could get panties in a wad, but we tend to do that every week. So or something I guess that could week- be kind of volatile. Ooh, Ooh. I like that. That's a very good weed nerd joke. <laughs> so we're going to talk dicamba because there's a lot of issues that are arising. And just this week we've seen, or just this past week anyway, we've seen uh, the Arkansas plant board um, take a vote on whether or not to ban dicamba. Um, there's been a, a lot of stories, you know, headlines um, in the news lately about dicamba drift. Um, there's some feedback or blowback on Twitter, you know, folks posting pictures of what they feel is is dicamba injury and, and others saying, you know, you can can fart in the wind and, and injure a soybean plant and someone will blame it on dicamba. So we really want to tap into uh, Karen's expertise for sure on this because she is the weed queen. Both chicks are back with me, my best friends forever in podcasting. Jen, yo, say hi, hi to your adoring fans, Jen, hi. and uh, and Karen, of course, because she's the weed queen. Hi, Karen. Hello. This is all Hello. Karen. This is yeah. This we're just gonna shut up now and let Karen talk about dicamba because the rest of us don't know Jack. But no, we're gonna talk about uh, you know is it new? Which of course, if you're a farmer, you'll say no, silly. It's been around for a long time. Um, but we want to talk about what's different, what's changed, has anything changed, um, you know, and, and what's going on in, in Arkansas. Uh, and there's been some really interesting conversations about uh, Arkansas, um, Mississippi right there. Um, and then, of course, the concerns as we move further north with these uh bean varieties, um, cotton, I think, too, varieties that are, are basically dicamba resistant. Right, Karen? Correct. Okay. So explain to us, Miss Queen of the Weeds, um, what is dicamba? Why do we use it? How have we used it in the past? And and why is everyone, you know, breaking out in, in cold sweats over what's going on with this stuff? Well, we have a long history with dicamba, which is a, actually it's a growth regulating herbicide. And um, so we've had Banville and Clarity for decades Generally, that was sprayed when the corn was small, and at that point in time, the beans were usually either not in yet or just coming up. Um, From there, we moved on to Distinct, which I don't believe Distinct is on the market very much anymore. That was a combination um, of dicamba with another product, and then we moved to Status, which is still currently being used in the corn today. However, it's generally used when the corn is a little bit bigger and the spray is directed underneath the corn canopy. And, I mean, we've still had issues, but they haven't been very widespread. Um, generally, people don't like to use a growth regulator when the corn is bigger because it can come become very brittle. And if there's any type of wind, it could snap off. So people are pretty deliberate when they use it and only use it when they feel it's really the necessity. Okay. So they have used dicamba in the past with corn. And corn doesn't seem to be struggling as much with this dicamba injury as what we're seeing with beans right now, correct? Right now, but we have not yet hit the growth reproductive stages for corn in most places. And so once we hit that, there could be some issues with the corn. Um, As far as the soybeans are concerned, we have three products that can be used on Extend Beans. One is Extendamax from Monsanto. Two is Engenia from 
BASF. And the third one is Fexapan from DuPont, which we, I haven't really heard too much about that one. I'm not sure if there just wasn't um, that much volume put out this year or or what's going on with that one. But the main two you hear about are Extendamax and Ingenia. Now, Fexapan and Extendamax have what they call as vapor, tech, um, vapor grip technology, which is um, supposed to make it less volatile. Although less volatile, they still only advertise it as 90%. Whereas the Ingenia herbicide is actually a different salt of the dicamba. Okay. Which no. is probably more chemistry than you really wanted, but. Oh, God. No, no, no. I feel like Charlie Brown right now. <laughs> That's. <laughs> wah, wah, I, wah, wah, wah. Yes. Yes. I'm interested. Like, so when you say 90% volatile. You know, what do you mean by by volatile? Like, explain to our listeners that don't necessarily understand me. Um, listeners. What you're, <laughs> right. And fellow explain podcasters. Me. Yeah, explain to me. So there's two I, types of damage that can happen. One is direct drift, which generally hits the field next to it. And then with dicamba, there's something called volatilization, which can happen when um, there's an inversion in the weather. And basically, it comes up out of the canopy and moves slowly, and it can move in any direction. It's not necessarily right next door. But that's what's interesting in Arkansas right now, in the Gulf, the 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 Delta states, is you know there's there's dicamba injury that's showing up miles away from where it's been sprayed, and it it seems to be someone posted a picture. Uh, I believe it was last night or or here recently of a, a picture of like a haze hanging over a field in, in Arkansas because it's so humid. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks are saying that that inversion in the weather is what's causing this basically dangerous drift, right? Yeah, is that now, to me? And and this is just me being the volatilization and drift are two different things in Correct. my mind. They are. The drift happens immediately as you're spraying. The volatilization, it does, however, you may not necessarily see symptoms no, right you away. Right, you won't see it, and that's not what I mean. But it happens as you're spraying. The wind is carrying that chemical, that spray, um, as as you're spraying. The volatilization. Correct me. Obviously, you're going to correct me because I'm going to be wrong. The volatilization is happening even 24 hours afterwards. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not sure what the time frame is, but yes, it right. can happen and not show up yes. for, you know, you may not see it ha- where it shows up for 10 to 14 days. I mean, it's, right. I'm not, it's yeah, very I don't know what the time frame is. Right. I don't know what the time frame is either, but, but those, I don't know, molecules, I like to use big words, are coming together and they're volatizing and moving. But after a sprayer can be long gone from the, from the field by the time it, it decides to do this volatization. Correct. Okay. So if that happens, then you're pretty much wide open at that point, right? I mean, that's your, you, you cannot limit, you, you have no control over the volatilization, correct? Like, I mean, you just, correct. you just have Unless to spray you can control and control the weather, which, you know, we don't want that. Exactly. Can you look ahead to weather conditions and, you know, to like your weather forecast and, and think to yourself, okay, this may not be the right time to spray. I should Somewhat, probably sit but it's tight. very unpredictable. Okay. And that, so that's... Even the slightest weather change causes it. I mean, just a few rise, uh, just a rise or drop in temperature by a few degrees. 
Yeah, Isn't I'm not the right? weather expert, but I just know I'm not that either. But, I, but yeah, it it's very, for lack of a better word, you said it. It's unpredictable. Right, and like no, I mean it's obviously to the point where I mean I've seen a few posts on Twitter that you know say, well, this is great weather for an inversion, or if you see like low lying haze, you know, in certain fields, you know, that's prime for an inversion. But I mean that's not something you can see, you know, like 24 hours in advance to stop yourself from. You know, yeah, so you've already, yeah, it's like putting smoke back into a cigarette, basically. Like, once you know you shouldn't have, it's already too late. It's too late, yeah. So, as someone who is the uh, weed queen, <laughs> what do you, you know, what are you thinking when you look at the use of dicamba and, and, uh, you know, the, the consequences that we're seeing or, or this Personally, new use anyway. when I first heard they were heading down this route to begin with, I thought they were insane. But I have to say that in all my years of unsolicited advice to chemical manufacturers, they have yet to listen to me. So, <laughs> I mean, it, like it, Dicamba has had issues for years. We've always known this. And to put it in a product like this and use it at this point in the growing season was, you know, a catastrophe waiting to happen. Now, why did they do it? I know the EPA makes it easier to have herbicide-resistant crops put through and registered as opposed to chemicals. But, you know, a lot of farmers are wondering, did they know this and do this on purpose so that every plant out there would have to have their trait and every person would have to pay for it in every field, regardless of whether they used it or not? Well, so that's, conspiracy, that's the conspiracy theory that's going around right now between the farmers. Yeah. Well, it would make sense. How's the only the only way that you can protect yourself from dicamba injury if if you are This is not in, a surprise and the higher-ups knew that this was going to happen. So, yeah. here we are. Yeah. That's Now, I so had So what are they doing me, about it? I mean, nothing. what what is the what it, what are these higher-ups, you know, are they just sitting back laughing with their feet propped up? I mean, there's got to be money. some yeah, there's, I mean, there is going to be some fallout. There has to be, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, we've had, so two years ago, cotton was approved. And so they've had issues down south in the cotton regions for two years. Last year, the soybeans were approved, but there was still no chemical for either one of those two crops. So in the south, they've been having issues for two years now. And their only option for most of them was to buy the trait to protect themselves as insurance against their neighbors. Now, did we have anything like this when Roundup was introduced? It, was there this? Is there a risk of, of inversion and and uh, Roundup doesn't have an inversion problem, but yes, we did have drift problems onto non-GMO crops. So yes, that was an issue. But this isn't necessarily really. I mean, how much would you say? And maybe you don't know, and and maybe no one knows. Um, how much of this is caused by drift, and how much of this is caused by? Just basically that that volatilization that no one can can handle. No one can can. Well, I really mean, the only prevent. way to really tell if it was volatilization was to figure out what was sprayed immediately around the field. Yeah, which and I have friends that that are farming in Arkansas that you know, like I said, are are two miles. I've I've talked to them and and they're two miles plus. And and there's a lot of articles that I've read that have have stated that the. Um, the concern is, is that there are fields that are being heavily impacted by, um, dicamba injury that are not, you know, like I said, they're miles away from anywhere else that would have this issue or, or that would have used dicamba product. 
Um, and part of the problem, too, in Arkansas was there were so many people that were spraying off label that with volatilization, you can't necessarily pinpoint who was the culprit. Wow. Okay. So you can't find who it was to blame, which was why that the peach grower in Missouri had filed a lawsuit against Monsanto saying that Monsanto could foresee these problems and knew that this would happen, that people would spray products that weren't labeled because they didn't have one labeled and therefore they should be held accountable for that. Now, I saw some posts in the last week that said that lawsuit was tossed out, but I talked to an individual in the ag media who had spoken directly to the peach growers lawyer and said that it was still in the courts and it was not over yet. So that will be interesting to watch. That, yeah. So that's, but that grower had no recourse because he, you know, with volatilization, you can't necessarily pinpoint who did it. And, you know, his crop, he doesn't have, um, with that, there's no crop insurance compensation. Um, yeah. And he literally had nowhere to recoup his losses. And, you know, to recoup losses on an orchard, I mean, yeah, you can't how, do that in a year. I mean, it what takes I was five to seven years to plant a tree to actually get to the point where it would bear fruit. So did it kill the trees? It must have done enough damage and taken some of them out. I don't know exactly That's, all the yeah, aspects, but it caused it a fair amount of monetary damage. Wow. That's interesting. That's crazy. I mean... That's and it's scary. So, at least you know, he didn't shoot anybody. Yes, that was an yeah. issue last year, also. Which I mean, that's that's unfortunate. Obviously, I mean, I don't know if all of our listeners know the story about that, but um, basically, there was some damage between two growers, and one had gotten a little hostile towards the other, where he the other feared his safety and ended up, I allegedly, all oh, I don't think this has gone through the courts yet, shooting, you know, the neighboring farmer. So, yeah. and that's, that's awful. And I don't think there is with soybeans. I don't think there's anything that can cover crop loss. I mean, I sold crop insurance and I can't tell you. Uh, it would um, have to be the insurance of the, um, the other farmer of the other no. farmer. However, if you can't prove who that other farmer was, that's a problem. Well, and it have to be, it wouldn't even be crop insurance. I mean, because crop insurance, it would have to be like a, a an operation. It would have to be. be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of liability insurance, we're starting to hear, because of this, um, certain elevators or, or custom applicators are, are avoiding using this technology, right? I mean, this spray. What is that? Yes. What are um, you seeing there? I had and, one grower and- who was lined up to have his sprayed pre-plant before he planted them and he called the co-op who was lined up to spray them and they said oh give us a couple minutes we'll call you back and they called back and said no we're not going to spray that this year so he had already obviously purchased the beans and had it set up that they would spray it and then they backed out to spray it we i had another grower whose co-op called them let's see a week ago thursday and said they would no longer spray it after tuesday Um, So that's not a lot of time. But in northern Illinois, where this was, you know, a lot of those beans were replanted and had just come out of the ground within the last week and a half. So that was another issue. There are some other growers or not growers, retailers who, um, by way of their insurance and their need to increase the insurance to spray those products, are charging 
ten dollars nine to ten dollars more per acre to spray those products versus any other herbicides to cover their now are they using extra care like i mean of course they're using extra care because you have to be you have to have special nozzles to spray the wind can't be blowing more than 10 miles an hour it has to be at least three at least three three miles per hour and less than 10 why at least three uh, because know. otherwise you're sus- um, more susceptible to an inversion. Wow. I really? Didn't know that. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, so that. it has to be between 3 and 10 miles per hour. And you have um, to have your buffers. You right? have to have buffers for sensitive crops. You have to have your boom at a certain height. You have to have particularly approved nozzles. Yep. Um, you cannot use AMS as an additive. And there are only certain herbicides and adjuvants that are specifically registered to be used with these products. Now, um, so there's a lot of rules. Somebody, um, let's see, wasn't Arkansas. I believe it was in Louisiana was talking about they were um, talking about making it only available to be sprayed with hooded sprayers. But that helps drift. That's not going to do anything for the volatization of it. Am I correct? Correct. Now, Arkansas has had more rules. Um, There's a federal registration, and then each state can make more rules if they feel the need to. In Arkansas, they were only labeled to use Ingenia from BASF, and I thought they had a restriction where they couldn't spray it after April 15th, at least at one point. Um. So they've had, um, they've gone a little bit farther and their plant board has some, um, some power in deciding, you know, what, what, what was the April 15th, what was the April 15th date for? So it had to be before crop was very big. It pre-emerged. Yeah, it it, it was pre, yeah, pre-plan and would do, be less destructive at that point to sensitive crops. Right. Correct. Because it is, right? I mean, there is talk that you can can recover from the dicamba injury if the plant is young, but if you're into flowering or anything like that, Only then... if you're speaking about soybeans, you know, right. tomatoes yeah. aren't going to recover. Yeah. <laughs> tomatoes, um, if you whisper it, they die. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, soybeans. I'm struggling with tomatoes right now. I got two plants. My crop is uh, rated maybe 40% fair, you know, minimal good to excellent, kind of poor to very poor on the bottom. You know, you got to dig it, but... <laughs> In setbacks, I mean, I was talking to somebody in Pennsylvania, you know, who said their fields aren't even the size of the setback, so they're not spraying it. They It's hardly sprayed at all out there. Yeah, there's like 110 feet to a sensitive crop, and you have to be, you know, you can't be upwind, you know, you need to be, it's all kinds of different things. Some, some, personally, saying, some states were saying even a mile. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't want to say ridiculous, but huge setbacks that... You know, in today's day and age, in these some of these states is with all of the rules that were needed for registration on any given year, it would be give you very few days that you could actually spray it correctly. Uh, I had a friend in Delaware. You know, they grow lots of uh, specialty crops and vegetables out there. He said nobody in the state will touch it hardly. Yeah. I told my growers that I would wait it out and see what happens. For next year. Uh, I And this isn't the only herbicide it's happened with. We had some issues with Roundup. I remember having Balance Pro in grad school and doing all kinds of stuff with it and having absolutely no issues. And the first year that, you know, it was commercial and anyone could buy it, I mean, all hell broke loose. So 
it doesn't just happen with this herbicide, but this herbicide a lot more could have been been foreseen than um, people act like could have been. So, a lot of that to me too has to do with the day and age and social media. I mean, you know, with the Roundup problems. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't new ag talk where everybody has their panties in a wad. It's, you know, it's a constant form. There wasn't Twitter where, you know, everybody across the nation was saying, oh, look at this. Could this be this? Um, I just think that that makes a huge difference in how explosive it gets. It does, but there should have been a lot of lessons that were learned oh. with rolling out Roundup also that could have been totally. used here that might have made it a little bit better. No, True. but it still comes down to it's still dicamba, and dicamba is going to do what it wants to whenever the hell it wants to, and they should have known that. <laughs> so it's yeah. like some people. Yeah, it's like my four-year-old. Right. <laughs> so, so let's yeah. jump sides here for a minute, if if we're ready to, because it it is something that a lot of farmers need to fight um, certain problems. It's it's hell on mare's tail, right? Pigweed is That's in Arkansas. That's what you is the were led thing. to believe based on the marketing. Okay. Yeah. However, if you listen to the weed scientists in the Midwest, um, Aaron Heger has said for the last year that it is not as good on water hemp as people were making it out to be and that people would be disappointed in the performance. And there okay. have been some issues down in Champaign, Illinois, where it has not controlled and people were upset with the performance of it. If you read the labels for the products, it does it. All the lab- weed heights are about four inches, so you have to spray the weeds by four inches, or it won't kill them. It doesn't do any good. So, but and, at this point, know, in time, water hemp is about four inches for you know, like maybe a couple days, <laughs> like two hours. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, that would be Palmer. Palmer really literally right. can make two inches a day. So right. So and, and so it's not as effective on it either. We don't, here's the well, deal. nothing's Here, effective on Palmer. <laughs> we don't, we, we don't have that pressure right now. We have no dicamba beans um, on our farm. We were offered them. We, we chose not to. Um, we don't have that, that particular weed pressure um, that they're toting is, is the reason to plant them. The Palmer Amarath, the. Well, they were making it out to be a silver bullet. And, you know, unless you're going to go pluck the weed out with your own two hands, there's no silver bullet. Which Roundup is what wasn't the farm- a silver bullet. This isn't going to yeah. be a silver bullet. I mean, nothing about- that comes out is going to be a silver bullet. And this is, I'm going to show some really stupid, I'm going to show that I'm stupid here, um, honestly, about production sides of things. But, um, you know, what about uh, cultivating and, and things of that to battle weed pressure? I mean, I know, you know, once you get so high, you can't. Of course, you know, once you get so tall, right. you're not going to go out there. But at that point, you're not really competing for production potential, right? I mean, is there, there cultivation old works of... in 30 inch row beans? Really. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot more 15 and 20 inch beans where that's not an option. I have had several growers the past two years have to hire crews that would go in and hand cut them out. The old bean walking crews have been coming back the last few years. Okay, yeah. so um, we called that roguing beans. What did you guys call it? Yes. Walking beans. Oh, okay. Because Chris Campbell thought I was nuts when I used that word. Okay. I've never ahead. heard it called that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, in Michigan, we call it roguing. You have well, a. We always root. called it roguing. Yeah. In our seed beans, because we grow a, we have an enclosed, a closed um, food soy program. So we, we have our own seed and everything that we worked with Michigan State to develop. And, and so that's what we have to do is go through and actually have them pick the purple 
flower, I think, or our flower color is different. And so the, right? Am I crazy in that, Karen? Isn't it Roundup? No, there, are, or the, there are white and purple flowers, depending on the variety. Yeah. yeah. And we want the, the white ones or whatever. So we call it roguing beans. We hire someone okay, well. that... I'm Michigan smoking whatever, whatever Angie's smoking then, I guess. So. <laughs> I'll pass it to you. So, and then yeah, we can go I mean, get if donuts. If you pull them out, yeah, that's one way to do it. Unfortunately, with water hemp, you know, each plant that's left can produce, you know, almost a million seeds. So even if you let one last year, I mean, you have a big, huge problem. As weeds here, we've we've got to revert back to the old technology because the new technology is what's causing issues right but it is that resistance issues yes. with multiple part, different herbicide modes part of that it. then then goes back to me asking um some of that you know like we have so much no-till now and i'm not opposed to no-till i think everybody ought to do what's best for their farm but tillage works with some of those weeds a- am i wrong yeah. No, you're correct. With mare's tail, tillage yes. keeps it out of I the mean, system. I mean, tillage keeps it out of the system. I, I mean, I, I'm, we do some no-till. We're not 100% no-till. We do a lot of minimum till. But but tillage works on those weeds. I mean, they're not going to – it's not a cure-all, don't get me wrong, but it, it is a way to to control them. Right, because yeah. technically water hemp is actually native to Illinois. Um, but it was always kept out of the way because of tillage. Well, now it's become a little bit stronger and even comes in where there's tillage. But generally, I mean, water hemp is very small seeded broadleaves. So anything that would put it, you know, deeper into the soil would um, control it a little bit more. But, you know, we don't do as much deep tillage as we, I mean, we do tillage, but we don't necessarily do it as right. deep. Uh, obviously, we don't plow. So right. we were like, talking about that the other day that the that has caused some issues with drainage in our sand areas because we don't have that much topsoil like wisconsin michigan mm-hmm. stuff like that and that hard pan underneath has has caused issues so now people in wisconsin are talking about tiling sandy ground when the reality is they might be able to go in and and do some tillage work that would change but tillage has almost become a dirty word right oh. i mean we moldboard plowed a field a few years ago help yeah. help the drainage on it Quite yeah, exactly. Bit, Break up that. But Did I tell you get a what, scarlet letter? Oh, my God, yes. And, you know, when, when you're out there with two moldboard plows running and people drive by, you're like, oh, my God. I wrote an article about it. And I'm like, I know it wasn't popular, but it helped the drainage in that field. Well, There's that's a lot we... of farms in Canada that still plow just do because they have a different type of soil structure and soil types than we have here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah. it was interesting. I think we did it about four years ago. So Cole would have been about 10, you know, he'd never seen a moldboard plow run. I um, wouldn't be able to tell you one if it ran over my foot. Uh, you'd know. They have plowing championships. Don't you guys know this? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. But it, but Chris said, you know, moldboard plowing is an art and it was kind of fun for Cole to get to see it and, and experience mm-hmm. it. And it needed done in this field, this particular field. Um Yeah. But I think there's a time and a place for it. Yeah, that's but that's what we were talking about. Like I said, we were talking about it, uh, you know, Montcalm County where I grew up. You know, my dad said that that the the problem is with the drainage in a lot of these places now is that the the idea of deep tillage is is almost you know unheard of anymore, and so it's it's kind of interesting where that's an issue now. You know, kind of breaking news while we're recording here, um, Syngenta has been ordered to pay Kansas farmers $218 million because of the Viptera deal. Have you guys, did you see that? Wow. 
that no. just came out. I cannot yeah. read Twitter and talk on a podcast at the same time. I can't time. either. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I'm kind of a weirdo. Um, but yeah, 217.7 million to Kansas farmers on the GMO case. The jury's decided. Of course, I think Syngenta is going to appeal it. But does this set a precedent for, you know, some of these companies? You know, Monsanto isn't in. Monsanto and DuPont both, I don't believe, are in in Arkansas because they didn't uh, allow the the state university to do the testing in order to have it approved by that plant board. So it's all of that Ingenia um, technology. Could this set a precedent that Arkansas farmers could go after, um, you know, and I, and I'm not saying anything on, on the, the providers or the suppliers or whatever of this, this chemical. I, I, I don't have a dog in that fight, but would this set a precedent that if, if these farmers can prove in some way, um, that uh, they released technology that could cause some significant monetary damage to some folks. Do you think a precedent could be set that that we could start to see more farmers suing these the large corporations? Written very legally to make sure that if anything did happen, it would all be on the applicator and not the manufacturer. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but they specifically wrote those labels and put out the rules so that's who would be blamed. Oh, yeah. And they their know hands what they're would doing. be clean. Yeah, they know what I mean, they're I doing. Think they, I mean, dicambus, dicamba, I think they have some responsibility, particularly to the peach grower in Missouri and some other people who had no options and had no way to protect themselves. You can't tell somebody the only way you can be protected from this is if you buy the trade I have for you. I mean, that's like yeah. freaking extortion. Come on. Yeah. yeah. I probably just put a target on my back, but give me a break. You know, science it's is okay. science. So Didn't we already have a target on our back? Yeah. It we have to have com- listeners to create that tried to run me out of somewhere. So That's why the good news is, is that the goat that we convinced to listen a couple weeks ago can't communicate with anyone. He so he type. won't let anyone know. Yeah, you're good. You're good. But no, I mean, that's so that is it's an interesting it's an interesting deal. And I've got to say this Syngenta deal is is mind blowing to me because I definitely thought we still lived in a world where the big companies could cover their own ass enough to not have these type of things actually turn out the way they did. I was I was way wrong um, about how this would turn out. Honestly, I I definitely thought it'd be thrown out of court before it even got there. And, And here we see a $218 million payout. And that's just the first one. So that's just the first case out there. So I'm I'm uh I'm kind oh, of interested. No, yeah, if if this one's flying, there's gonna be a lot more coming. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I said. So, you know, and it, it just makes you wonder if if some of these companies, you know, like you said, I I mean that seems to be the story right now from the folks. Is Actually, there seems to be no story. And I think that's what's kind of frustrating people in a lot of ways is that, um, like you said, no one's really doing anything from these big companies except for kind of sitting back and kicking their feet up. Now, maybe they're doing a lot behind the scenes, um, but I think this is going to be out of their, Changing their, their control. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, I certainly I so wouldn't too. want to be Monsanto and end up in a court with okay, a jury so of peers. Other Mars- breaking news. Other breaking news. The Arkansas Plant Board just voted because they had their vote and voted not to ban it. They That vote was thrown out because they didn't have the right amount of people there. They just held their re-vote and voted to ban it. Wow. Wow. So we are loaded with breaking news now. I feel Gosh, we are awesome, aren't we? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's you gotta do we, love Twitter. Do we man. get to do we get to take over all the podcasts and announce this kind of stuff? You know, like that's take up everyone's time. <laughs> breaking news. It's breaking, breaking news talk, ag podcast breaking news. I yeah. feel like I'm like on Fox News, but way too ugly. Like I, I they just, would never have me on. I'm just glad You're you blonde, can multitask. Though. I am blonde. I used to be a lot blonder. I know, right? It's, I used to be a lot blonder before I had Colton, and now my hair is like totally different than what it was, but that's a weird thing. Anyway. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm still blonde, and my kids tell me every day I'm not. So I think you are. Thank I you. I think you're gorgeous. Thank but you. so, okay, so that's interesting, because that means now, um, does that, I mean, does that add fuel to the fire? Do you see other groups doing it? Because right now, um, in, in Mississippi... They're, they are just starting to really see some of these issues, from what I understand. Um, the, the, the folks there are responding and, uh, um, you know, kind of seeing certain things. Now, in Arkansas, they'd already had um, over 135 complaints officially yeah. filed. Arkansas, for the last three years, has been ground zero for this, yeah. this issue. Why, why so much Arkansas? Well, I think mainly because a they had cotton, okay. And so they started with it before anyone else did, and two, you know, I think just the attitude is different down there, as far as you so, know what they can and can't do on their own property. So that's very true. I'm not sure if this is a valid question or not, but I I don't always ask valid questions. Um, are we going to see this a lot more with chemicals coming up in the future? And and I say that because. Like, say, Banville is dicamba. We've been using it for years. Um, but it's we've talked about how it was sprayed when the corn was smaller and earlier. But now we're running more planters. People, a lot of farms are running two planters. You know, soybeans used to be a second-rate citizen. Um, and now you're planting soybeans while you're planting corn just as early. Do you think this is going to happen more? Well, I mean, I wish I could tell you that we had some new chemicals that were going to be coming onto the market to even have a chance at causing us problems, but the pipeline is pretty dry. However, um, we do have the Enlist corn that is labeled for 2018, and they are trying to label the soybeans. Um, 240 is not the same chemically as dicamba, but it does have its own set of issues. Um, and there can be, you know, drift and off-target um, sensitive crops, so... I mean, I assume that we'll have the same problem uh, if mm -hmm. people aren't very, very, very careful. Okay. And part of it, too, you know, I mean, in, in any other year, it may not have gone like this, but 2017 is just a freaking beast, and it seems like it wants to bite us in the ass from every direction, no matter what we do, so... And it seems like every year has its issues like that. You know what I mean? I don't I mean? remember one this bad in a long time, though. I mean... Okay. <laughs> yeah. From a, you're talking from a, uh, 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 from a production standpoint. Yeah. That's, and, and that's, what's interesting to me, you know, cause you get into the market factors and, and as we record this, we're, we're basically on, uh, multi-month lows in the market and, and, you know, we chat with you about things that are, are causing, you know what I mean? Like, a uh, significant, significant issues to production. And, and we have farmers looking at the market saying, what the hell? You know, and so it's it's even more stressful, um, and I think it's causing even more anger because the only way that you can can really make money, of course, is revenue per acre. And if you think that you're even losing a bushel of soybeans, 
um, right now, you are going to have some intense anger for your neighbor or whomever's using that that technology or whoever in- introduced that technology in the first place. Um, so I think it's it's increasing tempers in a lot of places too. No, I mean, what are you hearing? Because you've been, right. yeah, you've been all over the last three make weeks. People or... a little bit edgier. Um, yeah. You know, everything is late. So, I mean, we still have a lot of season left to go, but it's been the roughest start that a large area has had in probably the last five years. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out kind of deal. Um, for sure. So, um, yeah, had this happened, had this come out when, you know, corn was seven bucks and soybeans were super high, I mean, people probably would have been a little bit more jolly about getting drifted on, but. <laughs> yeah. That's... And I want to bring up one thing, you know, people always say, oh, if you stress the beans that they'll just end up, you know, yielding more anyway, but there's some science to that. Generally, the stress <laughs> has to happen about V3, V4, and what it does is it ends up causing the soybean to branch, and when it branches, it can put on more nodes and more pods. Um, Right now, we're entering, in a lot of places, we hit the longest day of the year, we've hit flowering in the reproductive stages in the soybeans. And if you hit those now, when they're not tolerant to dicamba, they're going to have some major issues as far as yield. So whoever, you know, they like, keep they saying, like to be oh, it'll be better, off, they'll be better. Yeah. They do, but they like to be pissed but, off but early, not late. At, a, at, at the correct time. Correct. They don't want to be pissed off at the wrong time. <laughs> it's like time. a woman. It's like yeah, a woman. Yeah, exactly. You make me mad at the right time, and it'll right. work out okay but later on. But when she's you make trying to get pregnant, time. don't piss her off. No, and I, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really where it comes down to it is, is, you know, the big thing for me right now, what I wonder about is is uh, the proof side of things. So if we do have this issue, you know, and, and we are seeing significant cuts in yield that eventually are going to, you know, could play out or whatever, you really can't prove it, can you? I mean, how do you, what do you even do to, to attempt to... that's going to gonna cause a lot of hurt feelings and that's going to cause some issues between neighbors and it's not going to be pretty. Wow. So this is just the starting point, basically. Right, because we just started, this this just started spraying in Illinois the last week and a half or so. And um, I saw Aaron Hager had posted today, he went across three counties in central Illinois, and he saw a lot of what he felt was dicamba injury. And uh, a couple fields were smoked. So um, it's going to get ugly before it gets better. Wow. So really, when it comes down to it, uh, hold on to your your ace and make sure you know when it by ace I mean ass, but you know <laughs> I was um, gonna say follow the rules the best you can. Although there have been some reports that people have followed the rules to a T and they've still gotten burnt. But um, now, do you have to use dicamba? No, you then don't. Then if you have dicamba resistance, so so you, you don't could have to. Dis- but why would you pay for the technology if you don't plan to use it? Right. In some you areas, would. they did yield better, and yeah. in other areas, they didn't. Um, I have one grower who had Liberty beans that were smoked by both Roundup and Dicamba, thanks to neighbors. So, oh wow, you know, if should you his choice know... to use Liberty be limited based on what his neighbor is going to use? No, no, uh, yeah. So I mean, and that's so it comes down to, to and it's hard. You... It's hard enough. Making it comes choices down to don't be seeds. a douchebag. Yeah. 
<laughs> Karen. True. Well, it does. I mean, it, it comes really down does. to the golden rule. I mean, if you have crops that, that could yeah. be injured. Talk um, to or your that, neighbors. See what they're planting. Be cognizant of what they have. Make sure you know what the conditions are, the day you spray, and how you may affect that. I mean, 2017 was really hard just because we had so much rain. Prees didn't get on. People had to change herbicides. Tillage wasn't necessarily done. And, you know, people have been replanting now for the third time and may not even have the same crop they started with at this point. So it's just been a beast of a year. And you compound that with all these extra factors with this product coming out on the market this year. And it just, I mean, it's a shitstorm. Yeah. It's basically a, a recipe for disaster, and that's yeah, kind of and what that's we're what experiencing. it's kind of yeah. That's where we are. <laughs> that's you know, I, and that's what I think a lot of people are thinking that, and 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 I'm seeing it. I mean, there's two attitudes right now. There's the attitude of there's nothing you can do to prevent the volatilization and the the problems that that could develop from dicamba use for someone who has a crop that's that's not resistant and then there's the the idea that it's all caused by operator error and and so I think we need to be clear that that's not it's not all operator error correct right. like sometimes I mean, they can do everything right and it can still bite and, and for the so, consumer not every haze over a field is chemical no, God, and sometimes no. it's just fog. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's just fog. Most we said, time we it said is that fog, earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we kept yeah. saying that earlier, and I kept thinking, I, I want to clear that up that not every haze hanging over a field is chemical volatization. Correct. Yeah. 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 And generally, that's very it's rare. I mean, it right. doesn't necessarily happen that often, but like I said, 2017 is a beast. So, yeah. It's one that's that's loaded with moisture and, and issues that would cause um, these problems, basically. So um, anything else you guys want to add uh, before we we wrap up? I mean, the, I, it all goes back to the golden rule. I mean, talk, like you said, talk to your neighbors, um, know what you've got, know what you're getting into, know what you're putting on, know what they can handle or can't handle. And don't be a jerk. Like, don't be a, a, a douchebag there. Make sure that you aren't the person that is is causing someone unnecessary um, issues. Think about it from the standpoint of you wouldn't want someone to do that to you. So don't do that to them. Correct. Let's all be kind. Yeah. So, so is don't another. be a douchebag really the golden rule? I think it's so. my golden rule. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to and, be a repeated thing on our podcast. And yeah. sure. It's, it's our golden it's, rule. I think I'm going to see if douchebag is actually in the Bible. You should see if it's a curse word, too, because I keep kind of bleeping it out, and I'm not sure if uh, I need to. Well, if you podcast, our... you don't have to bleep out yeah. anything. <laughs> this is and if you ask our... man. No Let's rules. ask our listener what they think. Dear listener, do you think we should uh, bleep? Does it make you sad? Do you so tell your kids a, not I... to listen to us, not to listen to the words we say and don't to, not to repeat them? <laughs> I tell Colton all the time, earmuffs. So, um, yeah. So, you guys, do you have anything else you guys want to add, or are you? Uh, are you? I think we've kind don't of don't get stressed. There's a long way to go in this season. Just take it day by day, and only control the things you control, and let go on the rest. And exactly. have aspirin ready. I'm gonna have to go take some aspirin. If you need to get away, like if you feel yourself way over stressed by what's going on this year and that's what i recommend to my farmers a lot of times i'm like just take your family and go somewhere for a minute you know just 
you know, my guys drive to the lake shore for a little while and spend a day on the beach. I mean, like just get away from the screen, get away from your fields, especially those of you who are going to be experiencing some pretty nasty weather here these next couple days. Um, Unless you're Chris Campbell, who says every time the car leaves the drive, five hundred dollars fly out the window. (laughs) Not even kidding. (laughs) With his finger wagon. With his finger wagging. <laughs> oh, Chris. We love Chris Campbell because we have to because you guys are way too into it to do anything else. Woo! So that's why when you spent your life with someone longer than, you know, like over half of your life with them. Right, Jen? You kind of... Oh, my God, yes. That's kind of... You're heavily up. invested. At uh, that heavily invested. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, as always, guys, if guys and gals, um, I actually had someone one time, they're like, I don't like your use of guys. And like, we're all guys. Just like, we're, we're all dudes. We're all guys. It's, it's just yeah. a thing. It's like know? Kleenex. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just because. Yeah, it's, it's something. I tell my guys. I also tell my gals. But... Anyway, dear listener, thank you for listening, Uh, dudes of the listening persuasion. If uh, if you have any questions or you want to contribute to the conversation, we welcome you to do so for sure. Um, Go ahead and uh, catch up on past podcasts if you haven't. If you have trouble finding them, let us know. We are technologically inept, therefore we aren't as cool as the other people out there who... uh, uh, are like, hey, you can find my podcast here, here, and here. We've also yeah. got other things like life. Whore, whore us handle. out. We're we're right here. Yeah. Horse out on Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Tell literally. Your friends, though. listen to these crazy ladies. Right? <laughs> That's just it. Be, so. be glad you're not them. Exactly. Be so glad you're thanks not for listening to us. <laughs> That's what I tell Carl all the time, but he is, so he's screwed. So, But uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, which is whenever you download us.